Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of FF Plus, your spoiler-free outlet for movie reviews, entertainment recommendations, and discussion. I'm one of your hosts, Aaron, and with me, as always, is my man, Coles. Hello, hello. Tonight, we have a trifecta of films to tell you about that are all releasing tomorrow. So, hopefully, you're listening to this ASAP, because sometimes this is how embargoes work. We don't get a chance to get these out to you sooner. Regardless, I mean, you're not going to be able to catch all three of these on opening night anyway, so you'll have a chance to hear what we have to say before you make your purchasing decisions. With that said, we're just going to go ahead and jump right into the mix, and we're going to kick things off with a film called Jolt. Jolt stars Kate Beckett. Stop shaking your head. We haven't even, I haven't even read who is in the movie, and Kalesi is shaking. I'm just laughing, that's all. Just I feel like he's been waiting for this for like a week. He's just... He's just been ready to roast this, people. Ugh. All right, Jolt. It stars Kate Beckinsale, Bobby Cannavale, Cannavale. I don't know how you say his name. You'd know him if you saw him, though. He's one of those that guys. Jai Courtney, Laverne Cox, David Bradley, Ori Pfeffer, and it also has Susan Sarandon and Stanley Tucci. It is directed by Tanya Wexler, and it is written by Scott Washa. What's it about? Lindy is a beautiful, sardonically funny woman with a painful secret. Due to a lifelong, rare neurological disorder, she experiences sporadic, rage-filled, murderous impulses that can only be stopped when she shocks herself with a special electrode device. Unable to find love and connection in a world that fears her bizarre condition, she finally trusts the man long enough to fall in love, only to find him murdered the next day. Heartbroken and enraged, she embarks on a revenge-filled mission to find his killer, while also being pursued by the police as the crime's prime suspect. Alright, I know already that you didn't love this movie, but was there anything that you found enjoyable, anything redeemable about this movie that you could tell us? For one, Kate Beckinsale. On a random note, she looks the same as she did when she played in the Underworld films, and that's an achievement. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's she, whatever like million dollar a summer thing that LeBron has do, that he does to anti-age or whatever all these years. I feel like Kate's doing the same thing because she has not aged a day. I agree. Yes, and it was cool to see her in this role. I mean, she may be a little bit older, but she can still be an action hero, and she has some nice moments where she gets to kick butt. And she's able to give you the dramatic gravity of her character. The concept of this film is brilliant, I would say. It's dealing about this person who has this unrestrained level of rage and anger inside of them. And when have, when has one of us not had been full of anger? Like, especially driving out on the road, road rage. Road rage is a big thing now. People always will, always will like, they'll look at something... They see something go wrong. They see somebody being, you know, a douche or something like that. And they have that wish fulfillment. Like, ooh, I wish I could just, I wish I could get my hands on them. Like, I wish I could, like, do something to them. Like, I wish I could say something to this person. So almost, if you're watching this film, you're kind of living vicariously through this leading character. This woman, she has been almost blessed and cursed with this ability to just have this rage inside of her that she can't control. And it's hampered her ability to have relationships, hampered her ability to be connected with other people. You know, it's kind of tore her away from her family. She is really unable to have a normal life with this. But the scenes where she's able to go unleash, you know, there's a sense of like, wow, you know, I wish I could do that. But you could also feel the sadness of it at the same time. 
I would say in another I would say in another in another film that concept kind of would have just been boiled down to this person just going around just beating people up for the sake of it but there is a sense that the writers are trying to add a death to that narrative and to the leading character itself and I'm just going to throw it over to you because that's all I got <laughs> for my likes all right well I I'm going to champion this film and I'm going to I'm going to cheat a little and tell you that this all three of these movies are going to end up being kind of in a very close similar range for me and this might be my favorite i think it right now i have it ranked higher than the other two and i know your head's about to pop off when i said that but listen i i i fell for this i don't know what happened it, kate beckinsale is the number one reason though so at least we can agree on that i thought she was incredible in this role now i absolutely adore Kate Beckinsale as a human. I follow her on Instagram. I don't follow a ton of celebrities, but she has a really fun Instagram where she's always like, she, she's a very much a pet lover. So she's got these incredible relationships with her, like big fluffy cats. And she's always doing weird things with, I don't know why I'm saying all of this. The point is I like Kate Beckinsale and I was kind of surprised that she was able to really still carry, like strongly carry this movie on her back and she was a badass and coming on the heels of gunpowder milkshake that we talked about last week the netflix movie that stars karen galan it was so glaring to me i watched these i would say within a day of each other and i was just like whoa like this is what it looks like for a woman who is an action star and this is what it looks like for a woman who you're trying to make into an action star that that really doesn't have that in her right away and so I love that. I think Kate brings it, and, and she's just so much fun in this movie. It is a very stupid premise, but it is extremely entertaining the way that it plays out, I think. The, the movie has a fantastic energy about it. It's got great music. It's got great pacing, I thought. I really would kind of compare this in some ways to a female-driven type version of Nobody or Boss Level from earlier this year, not necessarily directly in the plot, but really in the tone and how I felt about them. I just, I fell for all those movies. I just, it was, they were quick hitters and they sucked me into their world. They didn't try to do too much to get me like really confused or draw out the dramatics too much. They just got in there and they went after it. There was some decent bloody action. There's some fun side characters, the couple of cops and the relationships and, and interactions she has with them are pretty hilarious. There's one really over-the-top cartoony villain character that's like a, a side piece for the, the main villain, and he's he's really funny to watch uh, in action. And I love the fact that there's no superpowers involved here. It's just like super rage, and she's fueled by these this drive that she has. Like, she doesn't have an ability given to her by these impulses it just kind of escalates her it's almost like adrenaline right it's just like just ratcheted up so high that she is able to then escalate the damage she does with whatever skill she already had and i like the idea I, like i said i like the idea of it i like the fact that this person has been searching for peace in her life and calm and anything any kind of relationship that's not going to set her off and the moment she gets it it's ripped away from her 
and she has to deal with that. And I like the I like how you worded it. Like we all deal with something similar to that. We've all had these flashes in our head, probably. I don't know if quite to the murderous extent that you're going to see in the movie that we have them, but we have similar vibes. And you know, think about all the times we don't act on those. Well, what if what if somebody did? Right. That's the common the premise here. And I also if most films these days it feels like are trying to set up sequels. The Gunpowder Milkshake did it. You know, the Snake Eyes movie we just saw, or I just saw that I'm going to talk about tonight, did it. And everything wants to have a franchise. It's the thing. And I didn't mind the way that this did it. I don't think it focused on that. It waited until the very end and then left it open for a sequel. And that's very different to me than trying to force build your world in a way that is pushing for this big, huge thing. But if they were to make another one, I'm like totally down for it. So I, I really enjoyed this. It's complete and utter, just like fast food fodder for me. I couldn't tell you specifically like any, there's no big emotional moments in it for me. It's not like got a connecting point. It's just a ton of fun, I thought. So I liked it. With that being said, I will go ahead now and let you trash this movie as I know you have been waiting to do. So <laughs> not, I know, I'm, I'm kidding. It's not like Kales is taking joy in this, but for real, like what, what was it that didn't work for you, man? Well, going back to your fast food analogy you just made, you know, too much fast food can kill you. Too much fast food <laughs> can, uh, can uh, make you gain some weight in places that you probably may not want to gain weight. It can <laughs> clog your, your veins, <laughs> and, you know, make you have a heart attack. But this film is, it's dark, but it's also very cookie-cutter cookie, cookie cutter at the same time. The soundtrack sounds like that we just went to a time machine back to the early 2000s, and I'm hearing a now what I call music kind of um, playlist. The, like, the songs are very forgettable. Is there even a score in this film? Because I don't remember it. The villains are Cupcake. I, I'm sorry to say it. I don't even remember who the main villain is. Like, it's this guy who sits in this dark room, and you see him, but you hardly ever see his face, and he says a few words here and there, and just, really, the minions that Kate Beckinsale's character has to go through in this film, like, literally, she just takes them apart, like, almost like snapping fingers. I mean, these guys are just the creamiest puff of the puff that you can really get to, and there's not really much stakes. I really had no fear for Kate Beckinsale's character in this film. I had no fear for her at all. I was like, you know what? From the beginning, from the first 30 minutes on, I was like, oh, she's going to be okay because these villains don't really show force or they don't really create any barriers. The dialogue and the humor is also kind of cringe at points. There's a lot of fart jokes in this film. Like, there's a point where Laverne Cox has her gun trade on Kate Beckinsale's character, and she literally tells her, don't move, don't breathe, don't fart. And... There's another there's another point where one of the villains is talking to another one. They was like, hey, did your mouth just fart, Doug? And I was like, okay, it's ridiculous. Maybe I'm being a little bit too critical about it, but it didn't make me laugh. There's, there's another scene where a guy is uh, being tortured, in a sense, by Kate Beckinsale's character. And he says something, oh, just like women, always going for the nuts. And <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, you're trying to make a little statement about, you know, feminism and everything. Okay, I, I see you. I I don't like it. it the story the story is very simple when you get down to it the concept in the first 30 minutes i was on board i was on board with her journey how she was describing her backstory what she's going through with 
with this condition and how she's unable to really find connections and how she's not able to live a normal life. But then after that, they go straight into this kind of zany, um, almost like B-level comedy action film. And it really just falls off the cliff very fast. The editing is stupendously horrific. There is a scene where these two characters are fighting. Literally, in one shot, the guy gets hit in the face. The next shot, the guy is in the process of falling. And then the next cut, the guy is falling onto the ground. (laughs) And it really just goes on like that for each action scene. And there's another point of this film that is so ridiculous. I don't know if this is meant to do on purpose or to make fun or be satire, but when Kate Beckinsale gets to a building, there's this really, like, momentous building that she goes to and the villain is in there and there's a security guard in there in the opening of the door he's standing at least 200 yards away from the door doing security he's only one guy i was like what kind what kind of security is this and who are these guys who are just standing here and doing nothing (laughs) it it really is just a film that you know you kind of are ready for it to be over and it's only 91 minutes, so it's very short. But even 91 minutes felt too long for this film. I was already done at least two-thirds through. I felt sorry because Begasel, like we said, she does a great job. Stanley Tucci is in this. He does a good job. And then you have Jai Courtney. He does a, a little solid job. Solid than most of the films that he, he's done, he um, is in. But outside of that, Laverne Cox, she's usually... She's usually a person you can say, you know what? She had a good time in this film. She is a bright spot, but she wasn't a bright spot. And I think it's mostly because of the dialogue she was given, the way that her partnership with Kate Beckinsale's character kind of muddied, you know, her standing as a police officer. And it, it kind of was confusing to me, like, hey, this person is a fugitive and, you, you know, you're having conversations with them, almost like your best friends and, you know, you're ready to make an ice cream day after this. It 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 did it didn't it really it really didn't just hit me at any part. I was I was kind of just um glad when it was over. And I hate to take it apart. I don't like doing that. I usually give all films a chance, but I know we're going to be on odds on this. But Gunpowder Milkshake was much superior to this. This makes Gunpowder Milkshake almost like a John Wick oh, <laughs> compared gosh. to this film. <laughs> Well, that's fine. I mean, now people will have opposing conversations or opposing views on our conversation. They can take what they prefer and maybe maybe they didn't like one. They'll like the other like us. Who knows? But I don't have a ton bad to say. I, I'm not going to pile on or even really. I, I really just enjoyed it. It was it hit the spot for me in the moment. I agree. I don't like bar jokes. Those annoy me in any and every movie that they're ever in. I just think it's the literal laziest, dumbest writing. I I know that kids find that funny, but this isn't a kid's movie. So why is it there? You know, and I there's some silliness to some of the characters and and plot points. And of course, the fighting. And I mean, it's not it's meant to be that way, I think. And I it just worked for me. It just went down nice and smooth. And I thought it was cool. And part of that is because and I will say this. This will be available streaming on Amazon Prime on July 23rd. And I'm going to say I'm feeling it very clearly here. I say, yes, it's worth a rental. And that's kind of the context that I viewed my experience through. I mean, obviously, we watch a lot of movies at home that maybe we would recommend people go to a theater for still. But this one, I wouldn't ever have recommended you go to a theater. But I think it's great 
for a Friday night rental. You own Amazon Prime or you're already paying for it. You 90 minutes, pop it on, have a little fun, pop some popcorn, move on to the next thing and forget about it. Like that's a three star fine movie for me. Kate Beckinsale, give her her respect. She makes it worth it for me. So that's my recommendation. What's yours? If you are a Kate Beckinsale super fan, then you have no choice but to give this a shot. Otherwise, I'm not feeling it. I wouldn't recommend it for the theater. Um, at home, it's a it's a tough choice. But hey, why not? You know, I didn't like it, but somebody out there is going to find joy in this. Somebody is going to find the humor that I didn't find in it. And so I would recommend it for anybody to watch it at home because it's free to watch if you have Amazon Prime. Hey, guys, we recently made a partnership with the best social media app on the planet. You know what that is? It's Letterboxd. If you are a film pursuer, if you are a fan of films like we are, and you have friends who are also a fan of film like you are, and you want to check on stats, you want to see ratings for films, you want to have great conversation, and you just want to enjoy everything cinema has to offer, then give this app a try. We are currently have an offer. If you put in the code FEELINGFILM, and that's F-E-E-L-I-N, film, you can get 20% off a pro or a Patreon subscription. Definitely take this code if you want a Patreon subscription. I just paid for a Patreon subscription. That thing costs like at least $50 full price. But if you have this 20% off, you can save a good bit of money right there. And if you already have an account, the code will work just if you want to upgrade from your current standing. Awesome. Yeah, no doubt, man. It is definitely worth it, especially for that patron uh, or the patron upgrade if you've been a longtime pro subscriber. So hopefully people will get some use out of that code. Well, the next film we have on the list is Snake Eyes, G.I. Joe Origins, or as we're going to refer to it from here on out, Snake Eyes, because that subtitle, I hate them. I hate things like that. They're just so, so, so dumb. This stars Henry Golding, Andrew Koji, Ursula Corbero, Samara Weaving, Haruka Abe, Takahiro Hira, and Iko Uwais. It is directed by Robert Schwink, Schwinke, and it is written by Evan Spilatapoulos, Joe Shrapnel, and Anna Waterhouse. What is it about? An ancient Japanese clan called the Arishkage welcomes tenacious loner Snake Eyes after he saves the life of their heir apparent. Upon arrival in Japan, the Arishkage teach him the ways of the ninja warrior while also providing him something he's been longing for, a home. However, when secrets from Snake Eyes' past are revealed, his honor and allegiance gets tested even if that means losing the trust of those closest to him. All right, so here is the thing with Snake Eyes. Colesse did not get a chance to see this, so I'm going to be the only one sharing my thoughts for right now. I grew up with G.I. Joe, so this was my toy of choice as a young elementary aged kid right it was more gi joe than transformers and more gi joe than pretty much anything else so i've always loved and enjoyed this universe i haven't like stayed with it for all of time so i'm no super fan i haven't read all the comics or whatever i haven't even watched all of the tv shows i've watched episodes plenty of the cartoon when i was a kid and i played with the toys but i liked it a lot i liked the idea of these super special forces characters right and so i was always going to be excited about some new adaptation in this world to some extent i liked 
that this reminded me of that world and it brought me back into it and it kind of in a sense reinvigorated my interest in these characters uh, by watching them in this movie and the ones that we get to see snake eyes is a fan favorite so of course he is an understandable character to want to make a movie about and his story is a tragic one kind of with the way that things go down between him and the heir apparent that was referenced his name is tommy and ultimately he becomes a well-known character in the gi joe universe as well and it's just a really intriguing storyline for them to explore and i liked that they chose to do that the movie has a really really awesome final third of it so the action picks up in the final third and it gets really frenetic really crazy and and a lot of fun there's just gunfights there's sword fights there's martial arts it's all thrown into the mix and it becomes a a much more fast-paced and exciting experience than we see for the most of the film i also really liked the character of baroness so baroness is one of the cobra characters that is in this particular film i think that she is portrayed well i guess is what i should say i enjoyed the snarky tone that her actress gives her and it really felt similar to the cartoon character that i was used to and how i've seen baroness portrayed before Uh, and i just think it worked a lot better a lot better than the previous gi joe films that had the blonde sienna miller filling this role that's one cool thing also about this film is it's very diverse and it's an interesting thing because snake eyes actually in lore is white and here we have him played by an asian american in henry golding right and so it's kind of like one of those reverse things that you normally see where you you'll see you know characters who are other ethnicities being played by white people and whitewashed And so some might get up in arms and be like, oh, my gosh, why are you changing the lore and making Snake Eyes white? That's a critical part of his backstory and what made him an outsider. I think that they handled that really well, because what they did is he's an American. That's what makes him an outsider. Not that he's white, not that he's Asian. And that is more powerful to me. He's an outsider because he has never been to Japan, which makes it actually even more kind of intriguing because there's perceptions around his character because he's Asian, right? Like, oh, you you should have this knowledge and you should automatically come with this because of your ethnicity. But the guy was raised and born in America. Like, he didn't grow up with the same kind of culture. And so you get to kind of see little bits of that explored. And I, so I really like that. And I like the diversity in the cast overall as a whole. Um, thought they were a, a lot of fun actors in this. <laughs> now, I'll go into the dislikes. Listen, I... They're not used to their best of their abilities, okay? I, One of our fellow Seattle film critics, his cousin, I think, is one of the writers for this. And so I almost feel bad in a sense because I know – no, I don't know him, but I know tangentially. And so it makes me really conscious of criticizing things like the writing when you remember, oh, yeah, that's a real person who wrote this. But you know what? It's just not that good. It's just not. I'm sorry. And I think more weight falls on the director because what we – have the problem with this Kales is that it is yet again one of the critical problems i see in movies that try, especially adaptations over and over and over it is an inconsistent tone 
this movie wants to be a realistic and serious version of G.I. Joe compared to the previous two cinematic films that were made, right? They're a lot more goofy. But this still has, it continues on with these supernatural relics and these supernatural beasts, and it falls into moments of corniness and absolute fan service, but not in a fun way. So it's like it goes from a hundred serious level to 20 fan service and then tries to go right back to 90 or 100 of the serious tone and the dramatic nature. And it just doesn't work. And I would compare it to something like Mortal Kombat, which for me starts and maintains that tone of silly but dark and heavy all the way through. It's just it's it starts it and it holds that all the way. It never goes up and down. It doesn't oscillate. I wish we could get a G.I. Joe that was like dead serious, right? That is totally realistic and they don't have superpowers, but they're clearly super skilled and they have really cool tech and such and so forth. I didn't get that. When you've got two of the best ninjas in fictional universes, theoretically with Snake Eyes and Storm Shadow, like I'm expecting some really cool action. And other than that last third, you don't get it. You get a lot of super heavy just completely frantic editing and shaky cam, tons of shaky cam. What it said to me was Henry Golding can't fight. Like he's not an action expert, right? And you had to mask the fact that he is not able to be this incredible martial artist like some of the other people in your film or like some of the extras that he's fighting against. And so you've got to make it look cool or try. And it failed for me in a big way because it was just so obvious. You didn't get to enjoy the fight scenes early on in the first two thirds. It's also very bland. There, there's just it's a very dull script. There's not any charisma displayed whatsoever. Again, Henry Golding, Samara Weaving. These are charismatic people. <laughs> How you make them boring, I don't understand, and why you, it just doesn't make sense to me. It's like a complete waste of of them, and so. You throw on top of that the fact that the character himself of Snake Eyes, played by Henry Golding, is not likable. If you Once you understand the plot and see where it's going, you'll understand this, but he's a hard protagonist to get behind for most of the film, even if you know where his story is going. He's just hard to enjoy, and it's a, it's a problem, you know? It really is a problem, and so I didn't love all of that, and I it really kind of just discolored my entire experience with it but it's gi joe and they do understand those moments and they do have characters that i relate to and so i'm gonna tell you i like this film overall and i would watch it again i wouldn't go buy it and i'm not gonna rush out to see it again but the thing for me was i feel almost <laughs> guilty about liking it because it's a, it's a bad movie it's, it's a poorly made movie and i shouldn't like it right if i was being fair if there if everything was fair in the world this movie wouldn't be one that gets my like but because it played on my nostalgia <laughs> i got i feel suckered and i can't fake that right and so i think that that's something that was really i was made aware of by watching this one is that's what ha that's what ha is happening in the world all the time in entertainment world right now is these companies are making movies 
and TV shows and video games that pl- prey on our nostalgia because they know they're going to give us a little hit and it's just enough that they don't have to care about how good the whole product is, but it's just enough to get our money or to get our attention. And that's what happened with me and Snake Eyes. So, yeah, it's in theaters on July the 23rd. I don't really necessarily recommend it. I don't think it's very good. I think you could easily wait and watch this at home. I don't see any reason at all why you need to see it on a big screen. But if you're a fan of the universe, I think you'll be able to find something of value in it. I I will watch another one, you know, like... I don't particularly love the characters and the way they were used, but it's G.I. Joe, and I care enough that if they make a sequel, I'm going to want to watch the sequel just to hope and pray yet again that it's better. And that's where I'm at with it. So I would say I'm not really feeling it, honestly, but I also didn't hate it, and so you're going to just have to make your own decision as it comes to that. I guess you didn't miss out by missing the screening, Coles, is the bottom line here. <laughs> um, well... When we get to this next film, we'll see how much I probably did miss out. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Well, last but not least, uh, before we jump into that last film, I just wanted to make a quick note and ask for you guys who are listening. If you have an opportunity to leave us a review of the podcast, we would really appreciate it. You can do that on any platform that you're currently using to get the podcast, whether it's Spotify, Google, whatever the case may be. Primarily, we're looking for Apple users. If you have an Apple podcast app or if you have iTunes installed on your computer or whatever iTunes is called these days, I'm sure it's changed. I haven't been an Apple user for a while. But if you go in there, if you could just rate the podcast, give us five stars. If you want to leave some words, that's awesome. If not, you don't even have to do that. But those five star ratings help get us to this magical number of 200, which is what is required for us to submit another application to be included in the Rotten Tomatoes critics list. And that's a goal of ours. It's something that Kales and I both would really, really love to attain. And we can't do that without you. So if you could do that for us, we would appreciate it. And otherwise, no worries if you can't. But we just thank you for listening as always. With that, we're going to move into our last film. And that is M. Night Shyamalan's new picture, Old. It stars Gail Garcia Bernal, Vicky Creeps, Rufus Sewell, Alex Wolf, Thomas and McKenzie, Abby Lee, Nikki Amoka Bird, Ken Leong, Eliza Scanlon, Aaron Pierre, M. Beth Davids, Iman Elliott, Gustav Hammerstein, Alexa Swinton, Kathleen Chalfont, Francesca Eastwood, and Nolan River. Again, is directed by M. Night Shyamalan. It is written by M. Night Shyamalan, but with a caveat here. It is actually based on a graphic novel called Sandcastle by Pierre Oscar Levy and Frederick Peters. And I, I wanted to make sure that that's known. I've been I've been mentioning it in my written review on Letterboxd and also in tweets because people tend to believe that M. Night writes all of his own stuff. And he does usually. And so I think it's important to note this is not an entirely personal creation of his. You know, and so if you do like it, he doesn't get all the credit. You know what I mean? Um, and that's kind of let's keep it fair. To, so to speak what is it about this is a thriller about a family on a tropical holiday who discover that the secluded beach where they are relaxing for a few hours is somehow causing them to age rapidly reducing their entire lives into a single day all right man you missed our snake eyes screening because you were at home 
making sure you could get in old because you and your girlfriend were super duper excited about this, more so than I was. Um, tell me what you thought, uh, what you like about it. The touch and feel of a Twilight Zone episode. Twilight Zone right um the 1960s. Twilight Zone is one of my favorite TV shows of all time, and this movie felt exactly like a elongated Twilight Zone episode. And that's for good and worse. But for the good, you know, often in a good Twilight Zone episode, you're kind of brushed into this world and things look normal in the beginning. And then all of a sudden things just get very weird. Like things just, they, you know, darkness and dread just comes out of nowhere. You're trying to figure out what's going on. You're trying to figure out how can these people escape from this situation and how does the process, this mysterious process of aging work. And I love that sense of, you know, trying to figure out how are these people going to escape from this situation? What exactly is the force that's causing these people to start growing older? Because in the movie, they explain it that you age, like every half hour counts as, I'm trying to remember, it counts, I think, as a half year or one year. I think a half hour is one year, I think. And then if you go to an hour, it's two years at that point. No, I want to say like a half hour is like three years. It's faster than that. Wow. It's, yeah, I mean, it's it's a significant amount of time where you, basically they go up 50 years in the equivalent of about of less than 24 hours. So, yeah, so it's about three. Well, yeah, three, three years or three years for every hour ish, I think is about what the ratio was. Regardless, that gives them an idea. Yeah, the main idea of this film is about the process of aging. I mean, think about us when we're young. When we're young, you don't really think about growing old or anything because you're just enjoying youth. You're enjoying this energy. You're enjoying, you know, just living carefree. But as you get older and older, you start to sense that time, days are going by faster you know, memories of before, like, like for me, I'm only 29, but I can still remember yesterday I was like 17 years old and just how time is passing by and that eventually we're all heading to the same place where our bodies are all going to get wrinkled. We're going to start losing a little bit of our zest, our vibrancy, our flexibility. And it's something that we have to face. And a lot of people are not ready to face that. I mean, why do you think we have so many people who are willing to inject Botox? who are willing to get plastic surgery, who are willing to try all these crazy, sometimes even out-of-this-world remedies in order to try to look young because the more you age, the closer you are to death. And this film really grapples with that very good. Uh, I mean, it, it, it conjured up so many ideas. And me and my girlfriend, after the film, it inspired a lot of conversation between us about aging, about life and death, about, you know, what... What's going to happen to us? You know, will, are we willing to even go through, you know, seeing ourselves kind of degrade down and whittle down, you know, because it's going to happen to everybody. It's nothing that you can't escape. And in this film, that adds to the thriller aspect, because even though if these people are able to escape off this beach, I mean, they still are going to have to face getting old in real life. It's, it's nothing that you can really escape from. It's just that it's gradually happening rapidly. It, it, it's happening in an accelerating form and i think that was the best parts of the film when we were on the beach and we were focused on those concepts of aging and life and death uh the cast is good for the most part the acting i would say now the characters i will 
put that in my dislikes. But I would say for the most part, the cast were able to do pretty good with the jobs that they were given. Um, I love seeing Thomasin McKenzie. She is who I think is going to be a future superstar in Hollywood. It's great to see her. And we have Alex Wolf again. And just like last week, we talked about Pig. It was nice seeing him in this film. And we also have Vicky, who starred in Paul Thomas Anderson's Phantom Thread from 2017. She's a good actress. So the cast is well-rounded for the most part. Um, and then, of course, we get an M. Night Shyamalan director cameo. And I, I, I know... It, it borderlines on being just kind of like corny at this point, but it's nice to see M. Night Shyamalan just still playing a factor in his own films. <laughs> I was fine with it when it was a cameo and it was that first moment that he shows up and I was like, ha ha ha. And I told my son Tyler, I was like, Hey, that's, that's the director. But then it kept going. And when he yeah. ends up being in it more, I was like, okay, that's too much. You can't act. Stop. That's when uh, the flaws yeah. become more apparent. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I'll echo a bunch of what you said. Premise is awesome. I intention, well, I've been swarming off of most trailers this year and it's been glorious already. And so again, this was a great example of something I didn't want to know anything more about. I knew that people on the beach got older and that's in night Shyamalan's work. That's good enough to get me in the door. Right. And, and the premise is awesome. It's really intriguing and it's mysterious and it's the kind of thing that he is so known for and is so fun to watch his mind try to explore. I thought that because of that premise, it puts the group of people who are incredibly different, uh, these different sections of people, like you have a family with a couple of young kids, you have another uh, couple who is a very much older man and a younger woman and then a very young child, and their relationship is very different than the other dynamic. You have, you know, a totally multicultural group of people on this beach. You have a rapper who's got one of the most hilarious names I've ever heard. I, I, I really want to know where, during the writer's room, they came up with the name for this character. His name is Midsize Sedan. Like, that's the name of his rapper. He, they tell you his real name, of course. But like everybody in this beach has something that sort of ties them together is what we come to find out, which is not really a big surprise what that is. I'm going to leave up for you guys to discover on your own. But it's interesting how they all get tied and have this thing that's common, but yet they're so different, right? And they, and they act so different. And because of the, their approaches, it puts them in these really interesting scenarios that they have to work through together to try and escape or to try to deal with what they're having happen on the beach. And so I thought that that was a, a fun thing to watch go through this, the motions. Uh, you know, I'm not a horror guy generally, and I definitely don't like grotesque stuff. That being said, the body horror in this, it's minimal. It's not frequent. And I appreciate that. There are a couple of big, big moments a body horror and one Coles was a, a piece of something coming out of someone. <laughs> and the other one is towards the end. Um, and a woman who, who has a bone issue is what I'll say. And I thought both of those were handled really well. Like there were, there were the level of grotesqueness that was, it felt like a PG three grotesqueness, right? It didn't, it didn't go all the way full R rated gory, like 
like I hate. So I, I, I could, didn't mind it. Like it made me cringe and it made me want to close my eyes, but I didn't fully close my eyes. It wasn't that bad. And so I thought that the balance was, was done well there. The beach is gorgeous. So in and of itself, just the fact that you're spending this entire movie on this incredible location gives it a little bit of a bump there because it's just so beautiful to see. And I wrote down, to piggyback off what you said, my note actually writes, maybe good performances, question <laughs> mark. And that's because I'm going to launch into my dislikes real quick um, and just go ahead from there. So I, I agree with you. The cast is a good cast. The performances, I don't know if it's bad performances or if it's just really bad direction because the way these characters are written does them zero favors the way they're supposed to be acting and they're told to portray these characters is completely inconsistent and wild and nutty and between that and what ends up being kind of some plotting issues that the movie falls apart if you try to poke holes in it like real quick you can't do that you just you just have to go with it you can't try to understand it and explain it which is a problem because at the end of the movie when there's the the very well-known you're gonna get an m night Shyamalan twist the movie wants to explain itself right and i think we want to understand it on some level and yet if you try to do that throughout the movie you, you're gonna make yourself mad and so you have to suspend some disbelief and the characters kind of ebb and flow and don't make a lot of sense at different times in their aging processes. And so I just think that it felt like M. Night, again, as he has in so many of his films lately, has all these ideas and all these great, crazy things in his head. And it's like he's throwing a whole bunch of darts and some of them hit the board <laughs> and some of them hit the wall, you know, and, and they're all in the movie <laughs> and you just, they don't all work together very well. I just don't think he's a great director. I think he's got a, a really cool mind, but I don't think he's a great director and hasn't been for a while. The cinematography choices, again, I'm going to put that somewhat on him. Yikes. I don't understand some of them. The perspectives we get did not help me enjoy the film at all it really took away from it and the movie's just too slow so you're you hit the nail on the head it's a twilight zone episode give me a 45 minute short film with this premise highly produced i'm there give me a even up to an hour long and i say 45 minute short film because that's basically like a twilight zone episode with commercials give me that like jordan peele doing this on his rebooted twilight zone show or whatever but like that is where this premise belongs you stretch it to an hour and 45 minutes, that's why we start to see plot holes. We start to see things that are repetitive and it, characters start to wear on your nerves and you're like, you're not likable and you're not fun to watch and I don't care about you. And and so when we get to the end of this, I absolutely loved the explanation of the twist and what it ended up being. It caught me off guard, which was awesome. And I haven't had that happen to me in a while, but when M. Night can do that, I think it is actually one of the better concepts that he's had in his films. It's great food for thought, and yet I was left wanting more from it still because I was frustrated that it was this really cool idea 
that they reveal to us, but then they don't fully explore it, and they just kind of end it and let it die. So I'm I'm left. It's a mixed, huge, huge mixed bag for me. What did you dislike about this one? I'll jump on your bandwagon about the direction of this film. There are certain shots where M. Night Shyamalan will bring the camera down and it's it's clearly teasing you that hey, this character has clearly aged or has clearly changed, and like oh he'll oh, he'll kind of obscure their faces and keep them hidden, and then all of a sudden it will pull back out and it will zoom back into these people's faces and be like oh this person changed. Like the direction, the way that he uses his camera is kind of weird. I noticed the same thing in Glass and. I know that it's for certain for certain times it's for budget constrictions, budget reasons, and a way to put you inside the action. But in this film, when you have a beautiful beach like that, you need, you got to make use of that. You got to make use of that imagery. You got to make use of your environment. And the environment is not used very well. Honestly, it's kind of just very plain how he uses the beach as an environment. You know, oftentimes these films, the environment is almost like a character. But in this film, it's not really a character. It's mostly just a mysterious force that never really ever gets explained um, ever in this film. There's many moments of exposition spoon-fed moments where these characters will, will come up and they'll be like, hey, so this is happening because of this. And then this has to happen for this and that. And I understand that without it, no one would be able to understand this film. The absurdity would become even more absurd, but you got to leave a little bit of mystery. You got to leave a little bit of ambiguity so the audience doesn't feel like they're stupid and you can actually trust your audience. And I don't feel like M. Night is trusting his audience with this story. For, for, for me, I was able to poke so many holes in this film before the end of it, just wondering about how these ideas are just clashing, clashing against one another. There's a moment where... These two kids, they come from six years old and they age up and their bodies are teenager, but yet their age is still six, but they're able to talk in complete sentences and able to understand a lot of things that six-year-olds wouldn't understand. But then when they get older, they're, they somehow get more mature. So I'm wondering, is it just physically that these people are aging or does it not affect the, their, men, their mental mind or anything like that? It was, it, I was struggling for answers with that. Also... I want to point this out. If there, in the real world, if there was a rapper named Midsize Zidane, nobody would be listening to that rapper. Nobody would be putting them on a Spotify playlist. No one would be jamming to anybody named Midsize Zidane. I hate to say it. Uh, the characters are not interesting. None of these characters are interesting. The actors, yes. The characters, no. I mean, there's one guy that has like a mental illness and everything and you're just kind of wondering like why is he going crazy why is he going cuckoo and everything and it this film is just all over the place there are a lot of promising ideas but none of them really tack on there's not a focus to this film it, it feels kind of drawn out towards the end and then the twist for me was a pitiful whimper now i do understand the message of the twist the message of the twist i was like okay Kind of, kind of cool, kind of interesting, kind of something that would, that could happen in real life. But for M. Night Shyamalan, a guy who is all about doing a twist for the sake of doing a twist, it's like, you don't have to do a twist anymore, man. Like, I know that this is what your brand is made of. You made the sixth sense. You're still living off of that high. And so now you're getting to the point where you want to just put in twists when there doesn't need to be a twist. If this was a film just focused on everything that was happening on the beach, I'm cool with that. If this is a meditation on, you know, aging and just getting old, 
then this film actually could have did more wonders for me. But when it goes into the territories that it goes into towards the end, then that's when I'm out. I wipe my hands clean of it. I was hoping that with this film, M. Night was going to re- was going to you know jumpstart himself again, not into the sixth sense or unbreakable territory because I think those days are over, but into something to where hey, his next film, I'm going to be excited for that. And with this, I don't feel that excitement for any of his films anymore. Like you said, he has a good mind. The man has a bunch of ideas in his head, and he's creative with it. I'll give him that. But as far as a director, as far as somebody who, if I was to try to recommend him to anybody else, I would say, hey, go watch his old stuff. It's great. His newer stuff, mm, I would kind, of, I would kind of go in um, cautiously. <laughs> yep, I think that that's a totally fair response, man. I wouldn't argue with that one bit. So, with that being said, this will be in theaters on July 23rd as well. Are you feeling it? Do you think people should spend their money to go see this? It's the only way they can catch it. I would say spend your money when it comes on to iTunes and Voodoo and um, On Demand. But theater-wise, no. Yeah, agreed. And I think the big reason why I would say that is for what you specifically noted, is that you do have this gorgeous beach, which I enjoyed looking at, but you don't really do anything with that area and that uh, exotic locale in a way that makes it necessary to see it on a big screen. And literally, there is definitely no action or anything happening that makes this big screen worthy. And the cinematography choices are annoying at times, which would probably just be exasperated if you're watching it in a theater. In my opinion, it would just make me more frustrated. Um, so, I, I yeah, I can't really recommend checking this out in a theater either. Well, that's it for us this time on FF+. Plus. They can't always be bangers full of extreme masterpieces. We'll be back, of course, very soon with more movies and always hopeful that we're going to find something that we absolutely love. We hope you found something that piqued your interest, though, and we would love to hear what you think when you do see one of the films or many of the films that are discussed. So you can hit us up on Twitter at Film or at BlackNerdMagic. You can also join the Feelin' Film Facebook discussion group. There's always a link in the show notes, and you can come have conversations about movies all day, every day with cinephiles and movie lovers in the group. That would be awesome. We will be back soon. Until then, keep feeling film. Hey, everyone. Thanks again for listening. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love to hear from you. You can leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening. These help increase visibility for the show and grow our community of listeners like you. We also invite you to connect with us further by joining our ever-growing Facebook discussion group. A link to that is in the show notes, or you can just search on Facebook and find us that way. If you'd like to continue the conversation with me, you can follow the show on Twitter at Film, or connect with me in the Facebook group. I'm very active in both places, and I'd love to chat. And if you want to connect with me, you can find me at Shoeless Patch on both Facebook and Twitter, but be sure to tag me in any comments so that I'll be notified and not miss you. Once again, thank you for listening. We'll be back soon. Until then, stay positive. And keep feeling film.